principal, when I think about that word, the first thing that hits my mind is having to go to the principal's office in grade school to get a paddling. And that was really bad because the rumor was he had holes drilled in the paddle to make it hurt more. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's the wrong kind of principal. Welcome to the Get Real About Safety podcast, where we discuss the new view of safety, the things that work, the things that don't work, and try to break down old view paradigms to help you improve safety performance in your organization. Hi, I'm Mike McCarroll. Hope everybody's doing great. I know we are. 2020 is already kicking. Phone calls and emails are coming in like crazy for human performance training, training around advanced safety management principles, and conducting culture assessments to help organizations define their current safety cultures. Looks like we're going to be spending a lot of time in Las Vegas this year. I just got off the phone with an organization that wants me to speak on human performance to a large uh, design-build construction firm there. Of course, uh, by the time you hear this podcast, I will have already spoken at the AGC ConExpo conference there. And it looks like we're going to be doing a culture assessment for a large hotel casino in Vegas as well. So business is good, and that's not to mention the courses that we teach at Georgia Tech on advanced safety management and human performance. We teach an HP1 and HP2 course there, and of course that keeps us pretty busy as well. In between that, I've been trying to make a little bit of music. I'm putting a new band together and have been working on writing songs for my fifth album. But I like being busy. Busy kind of keeps you young. Busy keeps you active. Well, today's podcast is going to be a little bit short. But what I wanted to do is cover the principles of human performance. I was just noticing that we're about 10 podcasts in now, and we haven't yet actually talked about the principles. We did talk about the first principle a little bit in the podcast titled To Air is Human. But I think it's important just to kind of give an overview of what the principles are that frame human performance. So first of all, let's define what a principle is. And so it's certainly not the principle in the high school. That's even spelled different, right? (laughs) One definition of a principle is a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system or belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a principle is a moral rule or belief that helps you know what is right and wrong and that influences your actions, a basic truth or theory, an idea that forms the basis of something, a law or fact of nature that explains how something works or why something happens. Still another definition is a rule, belief, or idea that guides you. But you kind of get the idea. Principles provide a framework. They provide the borders that we stay within in order to make something happen. When it comes to human performance, the principles are everything. They really frame the way that we react to error, the way that we view our employees, the way that we guide the organization toward excellence. For those of you who are integrating human performance into your operations, these principles form the basis for implementation. 
Oftentimes, people are really concerned about the doing. What do you do? Well, here's the bottom line. The doing becomes pretty intuitive once you begin operating within these principles. Later on in another podcast, we will talk about the pillars that support these principles. And those pillars are important as well. Without the pillars, these principles tend to collapse. But for now, let's just stick to the principles. Here at ProSave, we subscribe to six principles. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, depending on the literature that you read, it's kind of all over the board. If you look at the Department of Energy documents, which I really encourage you to look at, it's really, really good. There are five principles. I uh, recently read an author who had ten principles. But we subscribe to six principles, and so let's talk about them. Principle number one is that people are fallible, and even the best people make mistakes. And everybody makes mistakes. Doctors make mistakes. Lawyers make mistakes. All of us make mistakes. In fact, I'll tell you, if you start counting the number of mistakes that you make every day, it can be a little bit shocking. Last week I was out of town, and I noticed I made six errors before I even left the hotel room. But people make errors. And it happens for a variety of reasons. It could be a mental lapse. It could be just somebody forgets something. But everybody makes errors, and we first of all have to realize that you're never going to stop that. You can't train that out of people. You can't punish that out of people. And you can't incentivize that out of people. It's not possible to train someone to not forget. No amount of incentives or trinkets that you give someone is going to stop someone from having a mental lapse. I mean, think about it. Have you ever been driving down the street? You go through a traffic light. You get about halfway down the block and you think to yourself, was that light red? It happens to all of us. It's simply part of the human condition. So the way we deal with error has to be completely different than the way you deal with some egregious, reckless violation. And it's not just in safety. People make errors in every area of performance. We have quality errors. We have customer service errors. We have production errors. Errors happen everywhere. Accountants make errors. Estimators in construction make errors. Everybody makes errors. In fact, errors are not inherently bad. We learn from errors. Hopefully, failure is actually our friend. If someone makes an error and it leads to an operational upset, that is a perfect opportunity for learning. And we only improve through learning. And you know, the last part of that principle is pretty important too. Even the best people make mistakes. Oftentimes in organizations, it's the best person. It's the most profitable. It is the safest worker. That worker has worked there for 20 years, and in one day they make a mistake, and in one day they go from being the best employee to the worst employee. That's a problem, folks. And it illustrates a complete misunderstanding of human error and how to respond to human error in a manner that helps the organization move forward. We actually already addressed this principle to a large degree in a previous podcast titled To Err is Human. And we shared a number of stories about errors. Uh, and so I would encourage you to go back and take a listen to that podcast to get more detail about this particular principle. Because how management responds to error matters. If the default response is to punish the person for making an error, the only thing that guarantees is they'll never tell us about it again 
which is exactly the opposite of what you want in a human performance environment. So that's principle number one. Principle number two is that error-likely situations are predictable, and they are manageable, and therefore they are preventable. This principle largely has to do with error precursors, error traps, and latent underlying organizational weaknesses. In the future, we're going to be doing specific podcasts on each of these principles and go in depth and detail. However, just as an overview, an error precursor is an unfavorable condition that creates a mismatch between the task and the worker. In other words, an error precursor is something that increases the chance of an error occurring. These are broken down into a number of different categories, and there are many error precursors. Just to give you an example of some error precursors, fatigue. We all know that when someone is tired, they probably aren't tracking very well. They can't think very good. Their reactions are slower, and it definitely increases the chance of an error. Things like distractions, interruptions, multitasking, rushing, All of those and many more are error precursors that dramatically increase the chance of an error occurring, and sometimes there may be a number of error precursors that exist. When they combine, that's really a problem. Error traps. Some people refer to these as landmines. But an error trap is something that pretty much guarantees sooner or later you're going to make an error. It could be something like a confusing screen on a computer, too many icons, too much text that when combined with some of the error precursors, pretty much guarantees that sooner or later, somebody is going to mess up. Having knowledge of error precursors and traps puts us in a position where we can better analyze an event and understand what's really going on. It also helps us to plan a whole lot better. It helps us to plan in ways that maybe we can remove some of those error precursors from the workplace, or if we can't remove them, There are error reduction tools that can help employees to try and navigate around those. The problem is, if error precursors and traps are not identified in any kind of an event analysis, they just continue to happen. Unfortunately, the old traditional accident investigations that focus on the worker and focus on blaming the worker never actually uncover these traps and precursors. Principle number three is that organizations and people drift. So what is drift? Drift is a slow incremental deviation from practices, policies, rules, procedures, and it happens in every single organization. No organization is immune to it, and those that are most prone to drift are the ones that are the most successful, or at least perceive themselves to be successful. Drift may be a new concept to some folks, but I can tell you from professional practice that with executives, this is an area that they really key in on. When they learn about drift, what it is, and how it can lead to catastrophic events in their organization, they become keenly interested in how you catch drift and how you manage this issue. Many people have seen the movie Deepwater Horizon. That movie was actually a human performance movie, and it was about organizational drift. It was about how they drifted from their own checks and balances their own policies, their own contractor management procedures, and this was a slow incremental decline into disaster. Now, here's what's really significant about that. They just had a large safety celebration that very day celebrating seven years without an accident 
and that very day a catastrophic event occurred. And this is pretty typical, and it really illustrates the fallacy of zero, as we talked about, I think, in our second podcast. It illustrates the insanity of over-relying on recordable rates as a primary metric for how we guide safety. Organizations that think they are doing good because they have a good recordable rate are basically setting themselves up for a catastrophic event. And when it happens, on the part of senior management, the question always becomes, how did we get here? We thought we were up here. How did we get down here? Well, here's how we got there, through drift. So part of drift is understanding what it is, understanding that it occurs, and employing every method possible to catch that drift and pull the organization back to where it's supposed to be. That being said, people drift too. We all, as people, tend to drift. We tend to take a few shortcuts, maybe drift a little bit from what we know is safe, and we take that little risk. And unfortunately, what happens when we get away with it is it changes our risk tolerance and our risk perception. Risk perception is how we perceive the risk, and risk tolerance is how much risk we are willing to accept once we understand the risk. So principle number three is really important because when we understand how drift affects the organization collectively and people on a personal level, it helps us to be able to understand events much better and plan better as well. Principle number four is that individual behaviors are influenced by culture and leadership. Culture is a major influence on people's behavior. I don't care what organization, I don't care what industry, you take a person in a high-performance safety culture, they have to rapidly sync their behavior up to what that culture allows, what it reinforces, what it tolerates, or they simply will not survive in that culture. You take a person out of that culture and put them into a lower-performing culture, and over time, their behavior deteriorates. In other words, they have to sync their behavior up to what that other culture demands. In other words, people have to assimilate into the culture of the environment in which they're working. Because think about it. If you take an employee from a high-performing culture and put them into a lower-performing culture, what will their coworkers do to them? They'll make fun of them. They'll cajole them. They'll harass them until eventually they sink their behavior up to that lower-performing culture. I see this in action with clients every day. Just to give you an example, Recently, a large uranium processing facility was shut down in a particular area, and 10,000 people were laid off from work. The local industries began hiring all of these people. Well, that's kind of where HP came from. And the people that came from the uranium processing facility were used to using error reduction tools, things like STAR, self-checks, peer checks, three-way communication, just a variety of error reduction tools, and they were also used to identifying error-likely situations. At one particular manufacturer, as they were hiring these people, the co-workers were kind of giving them this, why are you doing that crap, man, kind of attitude, because they didn't understand. They didn't see the value. Now, the people from the uranium processing facility, this was just the normal way they worked. It had been habituated. They had seen the results of it, and so it was just normal for them. The other important part of this principle is that leadership creates culture. It's not the workers that create culture. It's the leadership in the organization. 
If the leadership is not trained, developed, and accountable for creating the right kind of culture, it always causes problems. And quite frankly, without the right kind of leadership, human performance simply will not work. And it really starts at the top. Later on, when we do a podcast on implementation or integration of these principles, one of the things we're going to talk about is the criticality of leadership support. It is everything. In a couple of podcasts from now, we're going to be doing a specific podcast on leadership, and we're going to be interviewing Philip Grison with our office. Philip is not only an employee of ProSafe Solutions, but he also owns his own company called LeaderThink. And Philip is a John Maxwell certified leadership trainer and developer, and he can lend a whole lot of insight into this. So I'll kind of hold off on any other comments about leadership until we interview Philip. I think you'll find his podcast really interesting. Principle number five is that events can be avoided by learning. What this has to do with is becoming an error-tolerant learning organization. Because here's the bottom line. We only prevent events by learning. Again, we can't punish or train or incentivize our way to safety excellence. It's really about learning the deep underlying organizational influences that give rise to error precursors, that give rise to error traps, and that may influence the decisions and the actions of our workers out in the field. You know, here's the bottom line. Most behaviors that happen in the workplace happen within the context of the work itself. If we don't understand that, it will always devolve into blaming the worker rather than understanding the real reasons events occur and actually moving ahead productively in the organization. So let's break this principle down a little bit. Error tolerant, becoming an error tolerant organization. What does that mean? It means that error or failure is viewed as a learning opportunity, not something to punish. It means that workers have an environment where if they make a mistake, they can come up and say, hey, I made a mistake, and know that they're not going to be punished for that and that their input will be sought along with other workers who do similar work to put in the right kind of consequence control to try and prevent that from happening in the future. But if workers perceive it's about blame or there's going to be some kind of retribution because they admit that they made an error, again, all it does is guarantees they'll never tell us about it again. And that's exactly what we do not want. Being a learning organization means that the organization is truly interested in learning about its own operations. If an organization doesn't learn from itself, it's kind of doomed to failure. In fact, a definition I heard recently about operational excellence is an organization that learns from itself. How many actually do that? So many organizations are punishing organizations rather than learning organizations. Being a learning organization in the context of human performance means having learning teams, event learning teams, and operational learning teams, and these are teams made up mostly of the people who do the work, the best operational intelligence in the organization, the people closest to the risk, closest to the work, who understand the details, the complexities, the complications of doing the work, And the organization uses that operational intelligence to build better systems, to build better defenses, and a much better culture and environment for people to work in. It also means that lessons that are learned are shared across the organization, and they're built back into the operating system. 
We'll talk a lot more about learning teams later, but I'll tell you, it's absolutely amazing when you set in these learning teams, the things that come from the workers who are closest to the work. That's where the real solutions are. That's where the real innovations are. The best inventions that have ever been invented come from the people doing the work, not from a bunch of managers or a bunch of safety people sitting around a room who, in all likelihood, have never actually done the work. But the workers have to have an environment where they can do that, where they feel valued, where they feel listened to, and that information is actually used to improve the system. Talk about buy-in engagement. That gets it. And finally, principle number six is that people achieve high levels of performance based on encouragement and reinforcement. This is probably the least thing we do in at least the American management system. Because when it comes to safety especially, here's what most workers hear. What you did wrong. What you did wrong. What you did wrong. Now I ask you, what does that do to workers? It does nothing but demotivate them. It demoralizes them. And it creates an attitude that you can't do anything right anyway. All you're going to hear is what you did wrong. You know, we do a lot of stuff to disengage workers in that old traditional crime and punishment model of safety. It really does a lot of damage to the organization. I think most people would probably agree that for everything somebody does wrong, they probably did several things right. How often do they get credit for the things they're doing right? One of the cultural drivers we measure is behavior reinforcement. And in focus groups, just to validate the scores there, I ask employees all the time, I know you probably hear a lot about what you're doing wrong. How often do you hear about what you're doing right? Here's the answer I usually get. Never. Or rarely. You know, every now and then somebody says, well, I've got a pretty good supervisor that just naturally does that. But most of the time, people hear very little positive reinforcement for the things they're doing right. And that's a problem, folks. We know scientifically today that when a behavior is positively reinforced, it has a tendency to repeat itself. Now, that is particularly true when it's coming from their supervisor or their manager. People tend to repeat safe behaviors. The old view was about trying to reduce at-risk behaviors through negative consequences, punishment, and penalty. Part of the new view is to increase those safe behaviors through encouragement and through positive reinforcement. Now, that doesn't mean you ignore the at-risk behaviors, and of course, there are coaching methodologies that can be used to deal with at-risk behaviors. But you know, the fact is, most of the time, those at-risk behaviors are actually system-induced. There is something within the operating system that is increasing the chance of people taking shortcuts. Again, if all we do is blame the worker, we never really understand those underlying influences. But this sixth principle helps us to develop better leadership, better interactions with people, more of a relationship-based safety process. And it causes people to want to do safety because they want to, not because they're being forced or they're being pushed into it. So there you have it. That's a little overview on the principles of human performance. So just to kind of summarize, principle number one is that people are fallible and even the best people make mistakes. Principle number two, error-likely situations are predictable, they are manageable, and therefore they are preventable. Principle number three, organizations and people drift. Principle number four, individual behaviors are influenced by culture and leadership. Principle number five, Events can be avoided by learning. 
And principle number six, people achieve high levels of performance based on encouragement and reinforcement. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast for today. This is just a quick little overview. Again, in future podcasts, we will delve deeply into each of these principles and have lots of discussion about it. But until then, I hope everyone has a great day. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. And while you're at it, go out and save a life. Have a good one, folks. <music>